0: I always hate it when that, that ends. I love watching that lizard run. So, um, good morning, church. Good morning. I, I just hope that, um, that for whoever you are that the Lord spoke to you today, that you've just let that get down in your soul a sense of the Lord's love over you today is particularly strong. And uh, I know I want to, um, also mention to you church. And I mentioned this last week that a friend of mine, I've invited a friend of mine come and speak and he'll be joining us next weekend. Pastor Tim Wimberly, who has pastored at living water for the last 20 years is a friend of mine. And, um, he and his wife, Dana have been called to the mission field and have been appointed as four square missionaries to Cambodia. And so, um, they're going to go sometime in the fall. I don't know the dates he'll share that with us. Lisa and I had had a meal with them I was back in November, and he said, yeah, we really feel like the Lord's calling us to this, and and uh, so, of course, my loving wife, with her questions, drilled down in deep, like, wait a second, don't you have children and grandchildren, and yeah, and they're all in this area, and so, uh, but the, the call of the Lord is strong, and the promises are, are, are faithful, and uh, so... Um, after being grilled by my wife and me, well, how can you do this? You know, other than the, the hearing, hearing from the Lord, um, I really believe that this is something heavenly. And so we'll get to hear from them next week. I really look forward to hearing from Tim and Dana. So they're here next week. And then I'll pick back up with the series that we're in after that. So anyway, that's coming up. Today's the, the seventh. I picked a, a verse out of Proverbs, uh, verse four. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your nearest kin. So today we 're in the second week of a series um, that um, is is about truth and a word that i 've heard other preachers use, and it kind of captivated me so it 's kind of helped me as i 've sorted through where we 're going, and that word is true ish truish we 'll talk about that a little bit today next next time uh, we 're going to talk about one of the most common Beliefs in the world that that basically teaches that it really doesn 't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere about what you believe we 're going to talk about that next time um, today. I want to jump right into um, scriptures and start with psalm ninety seven verse twelve and it, that verse that scripture begins with this it says, May all who are godly be happy. May all who are godly be happy and that's that 's really good news because we serve a, a a good God, we serve a loving God and because God loves us so much. Scripture says God has plans to, to bless us and to prosper us, he, to give us a future and a hope. And, and the reality is that God delights in our happiness. You know, he, he wants us to enjoy life. Because, so because of the goodness of God, the bottom line for God is that we are really happy. Hold on a minute. Let's just step back. Let's just regroup. I, I think what I just told you is absolutely and completely true-ish. You know, it sounds true. It feels true. There's a lot of truth in it. But it's not completely true. It's true-ish. And if you angle off course just ever so slightly, just ever so slightly um, away from truth over a lifetime, you'll travel, you'll find a false road, and you'll be, it'll take you to a very, very wrong place to be truish. So what is true about what I just told you? It's true that God's good. It's true that God loves you. It's true that God wants to bless you. It's true that he's got great plans for you. But when we start to believe under those truths that the bottom line for us is happiness, it radically changes our position with God. And when we look at, at Scripture, God is God. God's God, and we're here to serve and to uh, glorify God, but when we believe the truish statement that the bottom line is that God wants us happy, I think that reverses the roles between us and God, and uh, instead of us serving God, it makes God into our servant. In effect, we turn God into some sort of a a cosmic vending machine, Okay, where um, we do what we're supposed to do, and if we put in the money and if we press the button and we say the right prayer, then God has to produce whatever it is that makes us happy. And then one day when we're not happy, it leads us to this logical conclusion that if God wants me happy and I'm not happy, then God has failed. And he didn't make me happy. So either God's not real or he didn't do his job, so forget God. That's where that philosophy goes. And, and, and that happens because way too many people believe the truish statement The bottom line is that God wants me happy because it just feels right, and we'd like it to be the truth. It sounds right. It seems right. Pursuing happiness feels right. It's truish. and you can turn on any talk show on TV, and you will be bombarded with how to be happy, and you can go to any bookstore. I went on Amazon, which um, I, I read a lot of books, and if you go to Amazon, you can put in words and find books with that in the title. And a week ago, I put in, um, you know, how many books would come up on Amazon.com with the word happy in the title. A week ago, the number was 83,863 books, okay? Just out of, you know, sheer curiosity, I checked again yesterday, a week later, okay? That number went up by 500 in just a week. It went up to eight, so, so so it... 500 more books are on Amazon with the word happy in the title in one week. If you go into Amazon.com and don't go under books and just say whatever you can buy on Amazon, which is a lot of stuff, right? And you just put the word happy in, how many things can you purchase that have the word happy in the title? Just over 4 million. Okay. That was a week ago. I was curious. Okay. Yesterday morning, you know, I'm just kind of, this is how come I go on rabbit trails. Okay. So I'm curious on that. Okay. Well, how, what's the number yesterday after just one week? It's four point three million. It went up a quarter of a million items in one week with just the name happy. Okay. Can you tell our culture is obsessed with happiness? I mean, we're bombarded with it and it's everywhere. And and very gradually we can bow down and worship a false God of happiness just because it seems right. And scripture's very clear. Proverbs fourteen, twelve, Bible says, There's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. You may have heard before of, about the frog in the kettle. You know, the story, the, uh, the concept is that you put a f- little frog in a, in a cool or lukewarm pot of water and turn the heat up. Gradually, it'll start warming up, and a uh, little froggy's kicking back and happy, and he's got his little, you know little froggy arm resting over and reading his little froggy magazine and things are getting warm and he's happy because he's in the little froggy spot. and it's getting warmer and warmer and before long he's pretty kicked back getting pretty relaxed and very very gradually the frog is adjusting to the temperature and by the time it's boiling you know he never noticed because his heart was changing coincident with the environment that he was in And there seems there is a way that seems right to a frog, but in the end it leads to fricassee. (laughs) If my daughter was here, she'd laugh right. You know, she'd belly laugh at that joke. Okay, so pursuit of happiness—it just seems right. It feels right. God wants what God wants us happy, doesn't He? I mean, that's it's truish. And in the end, that truth can take us very far away from God's truth. And this pursuit, this theology of happiness will lead us down, and really it can lead us into a black hole of beliefs. I mean, so I have for you six thoughts about what happens when we believe the bottom line for God is our happiness. Okay, first thought is without a belief in absolute truth, truth is defined by whatever makes me happy. Okay, because in our world today there are these prevailing concepts. We talked about them last time: relativism and subjectivism. What's relativism? Relativism is a belief. It's an assumption that there's no such thing as absolute truth. Truth isn't constant; it evolves. What used to be wrong is no longer wrong. Okay, and, and I would just say that I took a lot of time last week to develop these concepts. If you weren't here, um, Crossroads is our web address, L-I-F-E, and um, the, the message is there. It's free. I encourage you, if you didn't hear it last week, to get caught up because th- this, th- this, this message series is going to build from where we started. So relativism is, is assumption that there's no such thing as absolute truth. What's subjectivism? The other one I mentioned. It's the belief that I, the subject, have the right to determine what is right or wrong without submitting my judgment to any authority outside myself. Since there's no absolute truth and what's true to you may not be true to me and I watched a, a, a magazine article on TV this morning and I saw an interview about a mother talking about something else and it was a social issue and she was having a discussion and she said those words. Well, there was his truth and there was my truth and, and this concept is so embedded and, and, and subjectivism is I'm just not going to submit myself to your truth. Don't impose your, impose your truth on me. So without a belief... In absolute truth, truth is defined by whatever makes me happy. Okay, next, next uh, concept is this. When the bottom line is my happiness, happiness becomes the standard by which I judge my actions. If my wife isn't making me happy and there's this other girl at the office who's making me happy, well, whatever I do is justified because the bottom line is my happiness. If I believe that more money or more things are going to make me happy, then however I pursue money, however I pursue things, whether you think it's right or wrong, it's not wrong because the bottom line is my happiness. And happiness allows me to justify whatever I do to pursue it because it's the bottom line. Which leads me to believe the next thought. The next thought is this whatever makes me happy must be right. Since there's no such thing as absolute truth, whatever makes me happy. Must be right, it must be must must be truth, Cheryl Crow even sang a song, right? you know sheryls very very I mean, if it makes you happy it can 't be that bad. No Cheryl Crow fans in the room huh okay it 's a catchy tune, and i 'm thinking, okay, see, our culture is shaped by music like that, and it 's a concept that's that 's very, very commonly accepted out there. If it makes me happy, it must be right, which leads us to the next thought, um, which is this: since God wants me happy. Anything that doesn't make me happy must be bad. Doesn't make me happy, then it must be bad. And before long, um, you know, that leads me to the the, the the thought that any kind of discomfort, any kind of delay, any kind of risk, any kind of suffering, any kind of inconvenience and obstacles can't possibly be God's will. Which leads me further down this trail that, you know, if it seems right, feels right, that's truish in this pursuit of happiness. But without knowing it, I begin to worship the false God of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. Why? Because of the truish belief that the bottom line is that God wants me happy. So I'm going to make a very bold (laughs) counterculture statement right now. And this goes against what many of us have been taught and led to believe. And as we've been taught this, we just kind of absorb this cultural, truish philosophy throughout our life. And I'm going to tell you that there are times that God does not want you happy. There's at least three different situations in your life. There's maybe more, but God doesn't want you happy in at least these three different times, and I'm going to just go over them with you. The first one is this. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. He doesn't want you, to do, he doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something sinful or, you know, just plain stupid you know like i mean i I found this example and now i'm gonna in just a minute you're gonna see a video but i want to set this up for you because it's very very brief it's 10 or 15 seconds and this is a teenage young man who thought he would be happy if he could stand really really close to the train and do a selfie as the train went past and the conductor doesn't approve and kicks him in the head as the train goes by so watch this video Kick me in the head. I I can watch that over and over again. I have watched it so many times. I I, I, I tried to freeze frame it right when his eyes go, you know, but did you see the foot? Is there any way to go back and do that again? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that guy kicked me in the head. See, that's the kind of thing I would have done. That is exactly the kind of thing. You know, we cr- kind of laugh and cringe, and it's kind of humorous. He came out okay, apparently, but is really dopey. That was not the Lord's will for him to stand there. But it shows a lot of times what we do. I mean, we're going through life. We think, oh, this is fun. This makes me happy. And then, boom, we get kicked in the head. And there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, you know, it leads to death. And uh, God doesn't want you happy when we do something wrong or, or, or maybe because we want to enjoy the moment or do something unwise. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly believe that God delights when you enjoy things. I, I wholeheartedly believe that, that, that God believes that God, God He likes it when you are enjoying things within his will. But when we step out of his will to pursue happiness... That's never God's highest or best for us. First Peter 1:15. 15, uh, speaking of God's scripture says, "But just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do." <laughs> now, if I hadn't put that up there, some of you might have followed along and thought, "Yeah, that's really what the scripture says." But I messed that up, didn't I? Okay. I think maybe we should um, I mean, we, that's what many of us believe, but here's what the scripture actually says. Let's read it again. "But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy." In all you do, happiness does never. It never trumps holiness in God's spiritual economy. Do you catch that? Happiness never ever trumps holiness in God's economy. And I have had um, a conversation that I'll share with you as a as a pastor way too many times over the years. Um, I've been doing I've been doing weddings now for over a couple of decades, and I try to keep track of people that I've married. Many of the people I've married are in this church, and a lot of other people who are not. And um, so I, I was just kind of curious as I was prepping for, for this message, and I went to look through, and, and um, I married a lot of people. And by my, by my best understanding um, over those two decades, 85% of the, the couples that I've married are still, still married together. I wish the number was higher, um, but I'm praising the Lord that 85% of them are still together. And then I took a look at the ones that I know are divorced, and, um, and I tried to find out and talk with them and so forth, not, not this recently, but in my, over, over time. I know why the, the reasons they gave me for why they were divorced. And 25% of the ones that were divorced um, told me it was because of adultery in the relationship. 75% of them told me because we just weren't happy. And, and that breaks my heart. It, it just it really breaks my heart. I mean, because you know, you've seen what divorce does and the pain that it causes. And my heart just want, has wanted to say when I would encounter, encounter couples, you know, but we, we sat and we talked about a covenant before God. We we covered it. It was very specific. It was really clear. And, and those were promises that you made to God and for better or for worse, not for as long as you keep me happy. And I've, I've just heard it, heard those those words too many times. And my point right now is not, to invite you to wallow in a pool of guilt if you've done something similar. That's not the point at all. My point is to show that when we believe as human beings that happiness is God's bottom line, that theology gives us permission to do some things that otherwise would be wrong. And we say, you know, if doing this makes me happy, even though it seems like wrong, it must be okay because that's what God wants, isn't it? And, and this line of thinking can play itself out in all areas of our life, big areas and small areas, you know. I mean, I know I shouldn't eat that pizza, but, you know, it, pizza makes me happy, so I'm going to eat it and, you know, I'm going to eat the whole thing, you know. I know I shouldn't, but it makes me happy. Or you go to a store or you're shopping online or, you know, you discover something that you need and you didn't know you needed it until you saw it. But once you saw it, you know, you think, I need that. I mean, I know I'm already in debt, but, you know, I'm in debt because of other impulse buys, but, you know, which means that you bought some things you didn't need with money that you didn't have to impress people that you don't even like. But anyway, so... You're in this final financial bondage, but, but you need that thing you just saw. Or, or maybe you're dating, and you think, yeah, I know I heard in church about you know, staying pure and not having sex until we're married, and I think the Bible says something about that, but God made me this way, and uh, it makes me feel good. It makes me happy. So I know we probably shouldn't do this, but we're going to get married anyway. It's, it's going to be okay. And the bottom line is this makes me happy, so I'm going to do it. Or I look at some things that I shouldn't. But hey, if she would meet my needs, if she would keep me happy, then uh, I wouldn't have to do that. But, you know, this makes me happy. So, or I, I know this TV show probably has some things that I'd be a little embarrassed to watch if Jesus was sitting here next to me on the couch, and it's got some bad stuff in it. But, but I like it. I enjoy it. It makes me happy. Because I worship at the altar of happiness. Ooh. If it makes me happy, it gives me permission to do something that otherwise would be wrong. And God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something that would be sin, sinful or unwise. So I want to say this. With all respect and love and humility, stop using that as an excuse. We've got to stop using it. It's, it's a twisting of God's heart. It's a twisting of his love for us. Second time when God doesn't want us happy is when it's only based on the things of this world. God doesn't, is not driving happiness based on only the things of this world. For example, you know, I was watching TV, and I found out that I cannot be happy unless I have the entire Dean Martin roast series on DVD, a fishing pole that will fit in my pocket, and a blanket with holes that I can put my arms through. I found out that if I can put my... Just, just get my arms through those two holes in that blanket, I can be happy. I can be happy. And so we end up believing a formula um, for success. And nobody actually admits to this formula. You know, this is what I believe. Nobody will admit that. But our actions really demonstrate that this is what we believe. It's, here's what we believe based on our actions. Okay, the formula is this. Better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships Plus the perfect appearance equals happiness. Just get it all. Check that list out. Better positions. Newer, shinier, faster, bigger, smaller. If I have that, whatever I don't have, you know, I'm going to be happy or peaceful circumstances because I can't have any conflict in my my life. If I hate my boss and it's just terrible, I'm just going to have to... Quit my job, even though I don't have a new one lined up, which drives me crazy and people do that. Don't do it. It's unwise. You know, but I've got to have peaceful circumstances to be happy or thrilling experiences, you know the vacation, the quick hit, the party scene, the nice restaurants, whatever it is, or the right relationship. You have to make me happy. You. You have to make me happy. And because happiness is my bottom line, if you don't meet my needs, if you don't make me happy, You're expendable because my happiness is it. Or the perfect appearance, you know. If something's too puffy, flatten it out. If something is too big, cut it off. If something is too small, inflate it. If something is, if you need a, (laughs) I'm holding my hands right here. Um, If you need a new wardrobe, you get it. And if we can get these things of the world in line, what we believe is then that the things of this world will make us happy. Scripture says in John, 1 John two, fifteen, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Boy, you've got to let that sink in and, and, and let that you know, penetrate into your soul the way it penetrates into my soul. Because there are things in the world that I love. I need to love them less. Verse 16, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, gotta have it. The lust of the eyes, oh, did you see that pair of jeans just walk by? And the boasting of what he has and what he does, all these things, they come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Now, God may bless you with some things, and don't misunderstand, you know, he may, he may, but don't misunderstand the things of the world. God gives wealth. He does. And God blesses people materially. He does do that. He doesn't mind if you have nice things. He doesn't want your nice things to have you. And when you believe that those things are going to provide you with happiness, you have settled for a counterfeit. You settle for something temporary. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. He doesn't want you happy when it's based on the things of this world. And there, another time that He doesn't want you happy is because He wants you to have something better. God wants you blessed, more than happy. God wants you blessed, and that that original word that's used by Jesus over and over and over again in the New Testament is the word makarios, makarios. And um, it's a Greek word. It, It basically means supremely blessed, more than happy. More than happy. Check that out. God wants you more than happy. When I say God doesn't want you happy, no. He wants something better than that. He wants you more than happy. And here's the deal. Happiness is based on happenings, circumstances around you. And happenings are not always good. Anybody here ever been told they're doing layoffs at work? If you lived in Shelton right now, and maybe some of you do, that city is under a cloud. Hundreds of jobs are going away because employers have decided to close mills down, multiples. And you know, circumstances change. And if, or or you've had a a loved one say, "I'm sorry, I'm out of this relationship," or or whatever, fill in the blanks. Circumstances change. If your happiness is centered on what the world can give you, your your happiness is going to go up and down, worse than a roller coaster but God wants you more than happy. And blessings are, are, are based on more than happenings. It's, it's somehow beyond this world. Uh, Psalm 112 verse 1 said, blessed is the man, more than happy is the man, who fears the Lord. Not more than happy is the one who does something wrong in a pursuit of happiness. Not more than happy is the one who settles for cheap imitations of the things of the world. Not more than happy is the one, um, um, is the, the one who does those things. But is the one who fears the Lord who finds great delight in his commands. More than happy. Not just happy based on happenings, it's more than that. And regardless of happenings, you know, because it's easy to feel blessed when you win the lottery, right? How many of you have, I, I don't know, none of us have probably won the lottery, but, you know, but how, in the middle of a loss, in the middle of divine comfort, in, in, you get this supernatural peace that transcends. Our ability to understand it, God can make us more than happy. It's more than happiness based on the things of this world. I, I'm going to use an example from a Christian author. By the guy, the guy's name is Max Lucado. Maybe you've read some of his stuff. But he asked this question, which it seems kind of silly at first. But I'm going to just come come with me on this little little journey. You know, would a fish on the beach be happy? No. How do I do? Gil? Okay. So the fish is on the beach and it's going. Okay, somebody who can do that better. Come on up here, and you can do it for me. So the fish is doing this, and it's on the beach. First off, is the, is the fish happy? No, fish is not happy because, you know, even though he is completely surrounded by oxygen, he can't breathe, right? He's surrounded by what he needs, but he can't get any of it, and he's, he's, it's getting worse. He's, now he's starting to flop a little bit. Come on, kick me into the water. You know, whatever. <laughs> And um, so imagine, forget that picture, I'm sorry. <laughs> but let's just imagine that we give this fish the things that we would want, okay, that we think will make us happy. So we're going to bring him up a wheelbarrow load of money. And here, fish, maybe you're not doing too well, but here, this will fix things. Is the fish happy now? He's still not happy, okay. And so, you know, he's, he's kind of grasping, no, no, I can't, can't speak English, so we say, well, we'll give you some more things. How about a vacation, Mr. Fishy? So we bring him a nice beach chair and a cute little drink with an umbrella in it. Is he happy now? I mean, he's, he's still not happy. So we give him, let's, let's, we must need, let's give him a Coke and a Play Fish magazine. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at it, but he's not happy. Still, you know, whatever. Okay, gasp, g- trying, he's trying. Why isn't he happy? Because he wasn't made For the beach. Why is it that you're not happy in what you pursue? And the answer is because you were not made for this world. You were not made for this world. You'll never find happiness in the the temporal things of this world because you weren't made to live just a temporary life. Lower your expectations of the earth. Really, I'm serious. Lower your expectations of the earth. It will never provide you with happiness. You can have some momentary times of joy and, and pleasure. That's, I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. I'm not saying that's bad. But lower your expectations of the earth. It, it, it was not meant to be the place that was supposed to provide you with blessing. It's not going to satisfy you. You weren't made for the things of this world. No new car no new house, no living room furniture, no new kitchen appliances, no new look, no new husband, no new baby, you know, vacation, no new job, no new income. None of those things, you know, believing that those things are going to provide you with happiness is believing a truish statement. And that's, that true statement is taking you away from the very one who can provide you with more than happiness. It's only when you truly believe that that you'll let go of the things that you hold on to maybe too tightly. And you'll experience the goodness of God and and the blessings of God and and know that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, 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 And when you can let go of a materialistic grip that you maybe have on the things of this world, you'll realize that more than happy, blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And blessed are... And you should look up the word blessed and find out when it's connected to red letters in your Bible and read what Jesus says about blessed because that's his desire for your life. And you'll find true blessings in the things of God because you were not created for the things of this world. And when that's down in your soul, everything changes. It really does. At the beginning um, of this message today, and we're wrapping up here, I read a verse and I purposefully did not read the entire verse okay? I told you at the beginning, I said, this is how the verse begins. I didn't lie to you. I would never do that. And uh, by the way, when you see a verse go up on the wall and you see dot, dot, dot either before or after, that's somewhere. It's an incomplete verse. And um, I just heads up to you, I would never use a verse out of context and and teach you doctrine. But when you see one publicly and you see dot, 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 it, it behooves you to look it up. See what got left off and figure out why. And if you see me doing that, it's because um, it, it's something that is not relevant to what we were teaching at the moment and so forth. I would never change the meaning. But I purposely didn't give you the complete verse because I wanted to do this at the end and, 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 and read all the verse here. So Psalm 97 verse 12 says this, may all who are godly be happy. That's what we read earlier. So now let's continue. How are we going to be happy? In the Lord and praise his holy name. Under the banner of relativism and subjectivism, many people believe that happiness is the bottom line for God. And that's a truish belief. It's a truish belief. It'll take you away from the true joy and blessings you can find in the Lord. May all who are happy, may all who are godly, be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. Now, we're going to pray, and um, we're going to pray in two parts. And um, first one, I'm going to ask you a question. And I don't want you to name names and I don't want you to elbow anybody or look them in the eye and say, you! Okay? You got that, right? This is just, this is where you, you um, your heart gets as right as it can be about people that you love and know and care for. My question to you is this, do you know somebody who is justifying doing something wrong in the name of their happiness or they're pursuing happiness by way of the things of this world? And you're willing to pray for them right now. Hands up. If you can think of somebody, you know somebody, they're either justifying doing things that are wrong because of happiness or they're pursuing things that are okay. So um, I, I, I want us to pray for them. So would you just, you, you don't need to say their name out loud, but you're thinking of them. Let's pray, pray over people. Lord, um, you call us to be salt and light and uh, many times we get that wrong by being a whole bunch of salt and a tiny bit of light but Lord help us to get that ratio corrected it's almost completely light with a little tiny touch of salt so Lord right now we pray for light for those that we love and we care about and we see these things Lord it's a lot easier to see it um, everywhere except in the mirror and we see it Lord in these others and we ask God for right now for you to bless and put light and grace upon these people that we're naming in our souls would you, Lord, um, help them to find that blessing comes from heaven, not from the things of this world? That, that, that the truth is that you have a, a, you have a plan for us about our future and our hope. And that, Lord, when we push our way through doors that you never intended us to walk through in the pursuit of happiness, that moves us out of the place where you can bless us. We pray, Lord, for this over our friends, and we ask God for you to court them and to minister to them and to fill whatever the void is that they're they're seeking as they seek and pursue happiness so much out of balance. Now, churches, we're praying, keep your eyes closed for a minute. And I purposefully asked you, how many of you knew somebody else? And now I guess you can probably figure where I'm gonna go now in this prayer, and that is without raising your hands, you might admit to yourself and to, to the Lord privately and discreetly that maybe you've been justifying something unwise or sinful as because you believe it's gonna make you happy. Or maybe by the way you live, you've been pursuing happiness in the things of this world. And you could admit that to the Lord, Lord see our hearts right now being honest with you, and um, Lord, we're sorry. We're just sorry. It's really hard. It's really hard to trust you and to be patient and to deny sometimes our flesh and our eyes and control and all of those issues which seem to somehow step between us and you. And Lord, we recognize that we were not made for this world that we were made for an eternity and that God that eternity is connected to our relationship with you and our faith in you and that you are the one that will carry us there we cannot climb there ourselves so Lord this day we ask you to forgive us where that's gotten out of balance and we ask God for you to help us to walk in in a new kind of faith in a new kind of trust and in a new kind of blessing that we've never known before Glory to your name. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name.